The following resource is by CBC Mokopani. For more resources like this, check out our website at www.christbaptistmokopani.com. I guess for anyone listening to this and not watching it, it's still Pastor Lucas preaching the message. I might not sound like myself, but it's definitely me, alright? Um, friends, as we just continue with our series in Family God's Way, um, I've, I said it, and it seems like we've arrived. We'll be studying the roles of each person in the family, the wife, the husband, the children, the role of parenting. Um, we're going to discuss all these things, and we're going to get to what Scripture has to say about it, not culture, not society, not what you learn in school. We're going to learn from what God's Word tells us, how it instructs us, how it warns us, how it encourages us. So friends, just as we start off this morning, I want to encourage you, ladies, it's not just for you. This is for all of us. No matter how young or old, no matter what your gender is, not how you choose to identify, what your gender is, right? Um, this is for all of us. We all have a great deal to learn from this. In fact, 1 Peter 3 warns us as husbands to live with your wife in an understanding way. And if we don't do that, it hinders our prayers. Listen, don't pray for a blessing when you treat your wife like trash. Jesus isn't going to listen to you. That's what His Word says. Amen? Wow, I started off rough. Let's take it a step back. This is an encouraging message. Ladies, what I wanted to say is this. This is not a message to add onto your load. Please, don't for a moment think, but you know what, pastor, as, as a woman, this is what I'm dealing with. And now you're bringing more? I have to add more to the plate? No, no, no. Friends, this is simply what God's Word expects of you. This is not anyone adding to your lifestyle. This isn't, it's none of that. This is the basics. I'm going to the basics. If this is not your foundation, then praise the Lord Jesus. We get to build your foundation by starting with these few verses. Again, this is also an aspect of what a wife's role is. This isn't all that a wife is, but this is an aspect of a wife's characteristic of her role in the house. So as we continue the study of family God's way, I want us to see what God's word tells us about wives. And in doing this, you guessed it, we're going to touch on marriage and the marriage relationship. God has designed marriage. Listen, my dear friends, I'm going to say this and I want to trademark it and then I'm going to make a couple of t-shirts and I'll sell them. Okay? Marriage... Or God designed marriage to be the very best this life has to offer. Okay? God has designed marriage. Genesis chapter 1, Genesis chapter 2. God has designed marriage to be the very best thing. Now if the Lord has given you the gift of celibacy, then praise Him. And this doesn't take anything away from you. The Apostle Peter called marriage the grace of life. Amazing. The grace of life. How many of you are married? Hands up. How many people are happy with your marriage? Don't raise your hand. 
<laughs> I, don't want, I don't want marriage counseling this week. Alright? Marriage is the grace of life. Here's the thing. Something happened. And we always go back to this. Genesis chapter 3. Something happened to humanity. It's called the fall. Capital F. Sin entered the world. And since that day, relationships have been dysfunctional. And for the most part, marriage took a beating along with that. For most people, marriage starts off like this. It's, it's a place of excitement and emotion. It's loving and it's blissful. And then it gradually descends into bitterness, discontentment, unforgiveness, separation and sadly divorce. Look around you, dear friends. If I asked you 70 years ago, yes, yes, 70 years ago. I asked you 70 years ago, do you know anyone that has been divorced? Your answer would most likely be no, but so-and-so who I know, know that so-and-so has a friend that was divorced. 70 years later, I ask you, do you know anyone who is divorced? Many will say yes. In my very household, I have someone. That has experienced it. Friends, a decline in 70 years. And we think things are going to get better. We assume things are going to get better. I continue by saying that God has designed marriage for us. For a man, natural born man, and a natural born woman to be united. To share a union that the Holy Trinity shares. And we as man get to express it in marriage. Um, yo, this week, tell you what, I had just so many random opportunities to have conversations with people, just in general. And I was surprised by the end of the week to think about it, because usually we don't think about it offhand, but I spoke to so many people who were either divorced or going through a divorce. And it's, it's, it was quite sad. It was quite shocking to realize this, that this is the reality. I spoke to one lady. This is apart from everyone commenting how terrible their marriage is, by the way. I'm standing in a queue at the traffic department. And in front of me and behind me, the one's divorced saying he'll never get married because of how terrible marriage is. The one behind me says he's, he is married, but, you know, if it was different, it would be better. And I'm like... I'm sorry that I can't relate. I love my marriage. Like I, I love how the Lord has designed marriage. I love my wife. I am so sorry that you guys feel this way. Yo, but your wife doesn't so and so. My wife's a sinner too. I'm a sinner too. Ask her about these things when I'm not around. I'm not saying that, that marriage is a fairy tale because if you think it is, don't get married. Do not get married. Marriage is hard work. It's a constant work. It's a work that includes two people pursuing the same goal, the same purpose. I spoke to this lady. Man, she's very outgoing, just talking to everyone. And it's like, you're stuck in a queue. There's nowhere to go. I kind of, now I know how everyone else feels when I start sharing the gospel in a queue. They're like, oh man, can't go anywhere. And this lady's like, 
what's your story? I'm like, what the heck? All right. My story is this. I love Jesus. And I love telling people about Jesus. It's like, you married? Yeah. Oh, shame. Come again? What do you mean, oh, shame? Aren't you married? No, I've never been married. I've never had a desire in my day. So I'm like, you have the gift. You have a gift of celibacy. She's like, no. I just don't want to deal with all the nonsense. Wow. That is just one aspect of marriage. And you've decided to define marriage with that. It's like, well, I'm too old now. Maybe you're right. Don't pursue marriage. I don't know. I love marriage. I love seeing people get married and pursuing one another. I love having friends who are married and they are pursuing each other. And and, and we get to sit around the table and relate and discuss. My dear friends, I, I honestly struggle to understand how marriage is, is so weighty for someone. Yeah, but you chose rightly from the beginning. It doesn't matter who you choose to marry. It'll always be a work, even when it doesn't feel like work. You need to put in the pursuit. Listen up, men. We'll, we'll deal with this. I'll deal with us when the time comes, all right? But listen to what I have to say to you before we get into the passages with women. Listen up. The day she says, I do, that's when the work starts. That's when the work starts. That's when you are allowed to pursue her the way that Christ pursues the church. Everything building up to that point, your best put, you put your best foot forward. Hey, that's nice. That's not marriage. The day she says, I do, you've got your work cut out for you. That's when you start pursuing her with everything that you have. Because that's your number one priority and ministry before the Lord Jesus. So listen, I get it. Genesis 3.16. God cursed man, God cursed women for the sin that they committed. And the sin, it's the sin that caused the curse, alright? It's the sin, it's not, oh this woman, it's because of this woman we are cursed. No, it's because of the sin that we are cursed. And this curse hits marriage right in the heart. And as a result of the curse, Genesis tells us that the woman will now have a tendency, a desire to rule over her husband. And no longer submit to her husband. That's the result. Genesis 3.16. God says to Eve. You will now desire to rule over your husband. But you can't. That's not how you were designed. She wants to now control. What, what, 1 Timothy chapter 2 tells us in the New Testament. Paul says, I do not permit a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man, for Adam was formed first, then Eve. That's the created order, my dear friends. It's not the church that says women should wear dresses and hats. It's not scripture that says it either. There's a context. But from the beginning, God's word ordained the marriage relationship for the husband to be the head of the house. Meaning, just as we looked 
by the way, we studied submit to all men. A husband has a place to submit to everyone else. But so too a wife submits under her husband's leadership. Since the fall, what does society say? Ladies, buckle up. Put on your big boy pants. Nobody controls your life. Again, that's not even what submission means. Submission doesn't mean control. Submission doesn't mean become a robot to the person you marry. That's not what submission is at all. And we're going to define it and discuss it. The scripture says, wives, submit to your husbands. Again, the curse doesn't just affect the women. It affects the man. Now, he as husband has the role, continual role, to have his wife submit under his leadership. The difference is now it's going to take work. Before the fall, this is what she wanted to do. After the fall, it's like, nope, I'm not doing that for you. You do it yourself. You cook your own meals. You make your own clothes. I'm doing me. Amen? Please don't. So there's a conflict, and, and, and sin has seriously left its mark. And not only is there this internal struggle as we deal with marriage, but Satan attacks marriage from the outside. Amen? We're not just dealing with two sinners who are engaged in marriage, working out their struggles, working to be compatible. You have an outside attack. Just in the book of Genesis alone, I love this, it's amazing. In the book of Genesis alone, we see how the marriage relationship was attacked. Starting in chapter 4, we see polygamy. Right after the fall, chapter 4, polygamy. Marriage takes its first beating. Chapter 16, adultery. Chapter 19, homosexuality. Chapter 34, you have fornication and unequal marriages. Chapter 38, you have incest. More so in chapter 8, we also, chapter 38, we see the very first prostitute. Chapter 39, we see this, the first specific case reported of seduction. Joseph and Potiphar's wife. <clears throat> Ladies and gentlemen, that's Genesis. <laughs> It's the first book of the Bible. It's the first historic book to record God and His people. And it's there. So it's important that we deal with this. The fact that you have two sinners who have their own desires, who have their own strong wills, who want their own way, crash into each other, is one aspect of it. You still have an entire society outside your home trying to redefine your marriage, trying to redefine your, your, your roles. And so this morning, let me tell you, there is hope for marriage. There is hope for your role. You're sitting here. Many of you are married. Many of you were married. Many of you have a desire to get married. Some of you are sitting here and saying, I don't know. Alright? We're all in a different space. 
the hope for marriage is being obedient to God and God's word. I tell you, man, it makes marriage so much better when you know you as a spouse, you are pursuing God's word. And then the comfort thing is this. You know your spouse is doing the same thing. So, how should we just approach every other relationship? How should we approach the marriage relationship? With humility, my dear friends. You approach your marriage with humility. If you don't do that, it's going to be a hard time. You approach your relationship with self-denial. Self-denial. With unselfishness. And with a desire to meet the other person's need. Tell you what, if you're doing those things, it's not necessarily easy, but it makes marriage a delight. It makes marriage a delight. So I want to continue by looking at three aspects of the wife's role God's way. We'll look at the matter, the manner, and the motive of submission. Let's read together Ephesians chapter 5. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its saviour. Now as the church submits to Christ, also, so also wives submit in everything to their husbands. Man, I love that. A lot of people see the word submit and they're going, What? I need to do who? How? A wife is to follow willingly. The leadership and the headship of her husband is what God says is is what you submit to. That's the matter of submission. It's biblical. It's God's command for you as a wife. Submit to your husband. Can we stop there and close? Do you want more? Listen. This means she is not available to all men. Again, let's read it together. Wives, submit to everyone's husband. What does it say? Your own husband. Meaning he is your possession. He belongs to you. Amen. This is your man, ladies. No one else's man. It's yours. You submit to him and no other man. It says, submit to your own husband. He belongs to her, yet she submits to him. Colossians 3.18 Wives, be subject to your husbands as fitting in the Lord. Now we're getting a bit more specific, isn't it? We're zooming in. Wives, be subject or be submissive to your husbands, your husbands, as is fitting in the Lord. Alright, so there's a framework here. I don't just submit to everything when he, what he says. But I submit to everything that he says, which honors the Lord Jesus Christ. This is not a cultural preference. Listen up. 
I'm just as South African as anyone else. Men, man, this is going to come back to bite me. This is not a cultural preference. It's biblical. It's a spiritual command. If you men are not loving your wives so that they are able to submit to you, then you, my dear friend, are living in sin. Yeah, but it's my culture. Listen, I can use that excuse too, but it doesn't honor the Lord Jesus Christ. It doesn't. It's easy to get this wrong. That's why Paul says, fitting. Fitting. It's a word of significance. It tells us that there is a limit to what is fitting in the role of submission. It does not mean that a woman submits to her own husband in a way that will dishonor God. The moment, my dear friends, you're asking your wife to do something she cannot do in clear conscience before the Lord Jesus Christ, she's exempt from submission. She's exempt from submission. Let's look at it in the Old Testament. Let's go back to the book of Esther. Ladies, if you're single, you have a desire to get married, don't read the book of Esther. Rather read the book of Ruth, alright? So in the book of Esther, we learn about King um, Ahasuerus, who had his his first wife, Vashti. Now, he comes up to his first wife, Vashti, and he says to her, um, please, would you entertain my guests? Now, let me explain what that means. It means, will you come out, dress rather showingly, and dance lustfully to my guests? Come and entertain us. Praise God, Vashti refuses, and rightly so. She tells the king, no, I'm not going to do that. There is no way anyone can expect me to honor you and submit to you and do this very thing. Pagans, by the way, and they even get it right. So, when this is not the case, when your husband does not ask you to do something, that contradicts the word of God. Ladies, submit to your own husband. Submit to your own husband. Why is that? Paul is pointing us in these verses. Verse 23. He's pointing us to the created order for what God has made marriage out to be. A husband is the leader of the home. His role is being given by God. And as a wife, you need to recognize that my husband is over me. Ladies, if you're not married yet and you're being pursued by a guy and he doesn't have the backbone to lead you, I want to encourage you, take it a step or five back. Bring him to church. Let him meet with men who knows what it means to lead their home. 
Do not marry someone that's not going to lead you, that's not going to sacrifice for you. It's going to be very hard to submit to such a husband. Now, I want to say in the same breath that, ladies, when you submit to your husband, it's in a humble spirit. It's in a loving submission to come under his leadership, not his dictatorship. Amen? I think a lot of us kind of want to kick against the word sub- wives submit because you're like, I don't know, I'm my own person. In marriage, you're not. In marriage, your husband belongs to you and you belong to your husband. That is what Paul tells us in, in 1 Corinthians. You belong to each other. His body is yours and your body is his. If you're not ready for that, don't get married. Don't get married. It doesn't mean it's, it also doesn't mean it's a very easy thing to do. Oh, I'm going to let my husband lead me. It also doesn't mean let him lead you blindly, meaning he takes care of all the financial decisions, he does what he pleases, you just have to tag along. No, there's something wrong in that marriage. There has to be an understanding as a household how you deal with finances, how you make decisions. Alright? Not, uh, let me just say this, I'm, I'm not busy doing a premarital counseling series. We're discussing wives. But 1 Peter 3 says, In the same way, you wives, be submissive to your own husbands. How many times do you want the Bible to tell you that this is your role? This is an aspect of who you are as a wife. This is part of your character. It's a feature of being a wife. Is to submit to your husband. That's the matter of submission. Now, let's deal and talk about what's very important. The manner of submission. How? When? How often? Again, we read together. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. His body and he and is himself its saviour. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives submit in everything to their husbands. I want to continue. And I want to say that, my dear friends, um, I, guess, I guess it might be hard for you as, as a lady to say, but when I have to submit, I have to really trust this person. I mean, I, I, I have to kind of choose... To be led by this person. It's vulnerable, isn't it? It's a vulnerable thought. To say, I am going to put myself under this person. And let this person take the lead. I get it. I, I can understand that. And it's very important that we don't, we don't ever overlook that. I, I think a woman has to open herself up to so much. Really to trust her husband. To trust the man who's now going to lead her and her desired family. Are we on the same page? Good. Praise the Lord. But there's a great illustration that we see in the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. Before you say He's a man who was never married. Bear with me. He is a man who was never married. 
1 Peter 2, you can write this down, 1 Peter 2, verse 21 through 22, says this, For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in His steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in His mouth. In other words, Christ suffered undeserved punishment. He suffered without retaliation. He suffered without reviling back. He uttered no threats. He turned Himself over to God. He took His suffering. And in the end, what was the result? Salvation. The way of salvation. Amen? So, but what does this have to do with a wife submitting? Peter then goes on to say, In the same way, you wives. What does that mean? In the same way. In the same manner, Jesus suffered unjustly and did nothing but commit Himself to God for God to bring out of this injustice or injustice a, a glorious ending. You wives, be submissive to your own husbands. That's how you lay your life down. You be submissive to your husbands. Say, but my husband's unfair. My husband's crooked. It's hard to, to, to trust my husband. In the same way as Christ suffered unjustly, you also, wives, submit to your husbands. I get it. We live in a sinful world. And there is no promise or guarantee that your marriage is going to be how you've always imagined it. How you daydream it. For some, as unbelievers, they get married. And then a wife profoundly comes to salvation. But her husband chooses to, to pursue a path of, of enduring the world. These ladies will come to church and say, But pastor, what do I do? My husband doesn't love me as Christ loves the church. Even though I submit to him as the church submits to Christ. Can I leave him? No. No, in the same way, you wives, just as Jesus suffered, you endure. You endure. I believe, and, and, and ladies, if there's any of you that can relate to this, I believe the Lord gives you such a grace to be able to endure that. I believe that the Lord does. Doesn't matter what kind of husband you have or will have. You say, I have a husband who's disobedient to the things of God, who's indifferent to Jesus Christ. He's not kind, he's not loving, he's not good, he's not gentle. Peter says, in the same way, you wives be submissive to your own husbands, so that even if any of them are disobedient to the word, they may be one without a word by the behavior of their wives. My dear girlfriends, when you choose to be obedient to God's word, despite the marriage you're in, Scripture tells us, 
that you can testify the gospel in your behavior. You know what? I've had this discussion too. You know what men, unsaved men, say about their saved wives? A lot of the time, I'm generalizing. Yeah, she's a Christian, goes to church, but she'll do this and this and this and say that and that and that. It's like, ladies, you're not going to win your husband when you're reviling. When, when, when you talk back. Peter says, in the same way as Jesus suffered, this is your cross to bear. This is what you suffer for. And this is the hope that your husband, through your behavior, will come to salvation. You might feel like that's impossible. You have no idea how he speaks. You have no idea what he does. And I've seen the Lord save people you and I would have never imagined. It's not up to you. It's up to how the Lord will use you for that person's salvation. So if they're not saved, hey, all the more to be submissive and humble for the hope of salvation. Again, this doesn't mean he's an unbeliever. I have to submit to everything. What does Paul say? As fitting in the Lord. So whether your husband's a Christian or an unbeliever, you obey as fitting in the Lord. You submit as fitting in the Lord. It has its limits. You're not to be submissive if He commands you to do directly the opposite of God's Word. But apart from those things... You submit because you are under God's command. I think when you, when you realize that, it changes everything. So I don't want to submit to this man. Well, submit to God's command. Well, I could do that. Praise the Lord. Then you're doing it. Let me continue. There's a third aspect. And as we approach the motive, I want to say that the manner, my dear friends, the manner needs to be deep down in your heart. You're making a commitment more to God than anyone else. You're saying, Lord, I am being obedient to your word by carrying this cross. And I'm sorry if that's your marriage. Maybe I shouldn't be because, again, Romans 8 all things. God does all things for His glory and your good. So I don't mean that to be you know, insensitive. I really want to bear with you, as Scripture says. But maybe the Lord gives you that marriage for that cause, so that you understand His will for your life. Now there's a motive when it comes to submission. What is the motive? Is it a rich husband? Please, I hope not. It would be a terrible marriage. Submit because of what he has. No. Again, look at Ephesians 5, verse 24. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. The motive. What is the motive for submission? Number one, we've established that that. 
this is God's design for the wife to be in submission for, to her husband. And just as Paul says, just as a body submits to the brain, which is the head by design, the wife submits to the husband who's the head of the home, who's the head of the relationship. When you see a body that doesn't respond to a head, what do we call that? It's a deformity, it's dysfunctional. Something is not normal. It's out of the ordinary. You see a dysfunctional person trying to do what, what's not capable. It's the same in marriage. Wives, when you don't submit to your, to, to your husband as fitting to the Lord, you will have a dysfunctional marriage. Someone has to pick up that slack. And the sad thing is, when the children start doing that, my dear friends, that is not your children's place. It's not. We as parents have the privilege. The Lord borrows us, these children, to raise and disciple them so that they will go on to be parents, to be a wife, to be a husband. And then they do the same thing. The Lord borrows them children. And, and you have those children for a limited time. It's not their responsibility to fulfill the role of a mother or a wife, a father. Sometimes in unique situations, our children will need to grow up a lot quicker than they desire. It doesn't make it right. It doesn't make it right. God has designed that the body responds to the head and the, the husband is the head of the wife. So wives, how do you respond to your husband? 1 Peter 3 verse 6 gives us an illustration. 1 Peter 3 verse 6. Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. And Sarah was honored. Wow. I mean, to call your own husband Lord, as if you were the servant. It's unimaginable. Like, you want, you want me to call him what? Over my dead body? Sure, right. Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. Meaning, she knew, she knew him. She knew how to submit to him. She knew how to honor him. So ladies, not only does scripture tell us, Husbands, live with your wife in an understanding way. Meaning, we as husbands have to pursue our wives. We have to get to know our wives. We need to know what they are like. How we can serve them. How we can lead them. So too, you wives. You need to know your husbands. Know their weaknesses. And then don't try and poke holes in those weaknesses. Part of loving your husband is to, is to help them stand up and stand firm. And stand as the head of the house. See, Abram, we could say, and we see this in uh, Romans chapter 4. Abram was the father of the faithful. Right? We, we, we call Abraham our forefather of the faith. From Abraham, all the, the nation of Israel would be born. The faithful of God's people. So too we could say that Sarah is the mother of the submissive. 
She leads the way in showing us that in a fallen world, we can have wives that wonderfully submit to their husbands. She's the prototype, if I could put it that way. Just like Abram's the, the prototype of the faith, she's the prototype of submission. Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. 1 Corinthians 11 verse 3 is another passage that kind of shows us what to think about when we talk about submission. Paul says, I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ. Amen? The head of a wife is her husband. Amen? <laughs> Not excited that second time. That first one. Yeah. Christ is the head. All men. Amen. The husband's the head of the wife. Still dealing with that one. Paul is saying this to show us that there is a principle when it comes to authority and submission. It's built in all the way from God's design. In the Trinity, we have the members of the Trinity submitting to one another. Now, if, if, if marriage is in any way illustrating that relationship, we have the same thing. We have the husband under Christ. We have the wife under the husband. And we have the children under the umbrella of the parents. Right? Are you with me? So no children are under the wife. Really? Put this a joint effort. Are you with me? I don't want to continue and then we're still, there's a bit of gaps. God has designed this order for us. Because it's even in the triune relationship. They are submitting, or God is submitting the Father, the Son to the Father, the Spirit to the Son. Yet they are all God. It doesn't take away from their character. It doesn't take away from or who God is as a whole. Wives, when you submit to your husband, it doesn't make you less of a woman or a person. Your identity in Christ remains the same that it ought to be. And how does Christ see us as men and women in, in Him? Equal. Equal. When you are honoring the Lord in this role, guess what? You're equal. You're not being undermined. Society says, oh wait, you still, you talk to your husband about how you spend money. You still submit to his authority. You still do that. Yeah. By God's grace, yes. Because that's what he commands. It's not a cultural thing. It's not something that was recently invented. It has always been God's plan for the marriage relationship to see the wife submit under the authority and leadership of her husband. It's a beautiful thing. It's the right thing. Furthermore, the church relationship is what gives us a glimpse of what the original intention for marriage was. And that is that a husband pursue his, pursues his wife until he can't pursue anymore. And that a wife submits under this pursuing husband as much as it is possible. 
Doesn't mean being boring. Doesn't mean being idle. Doesn't mean waiting for your husband to say something and then you do it. That's, if you think that's what submission is, man. I have a big coffee pot. And we'll, we'll meet together and kind of just work through God's word and the coffee pot. The church relationships gives us a glimpse of what marriage is intended. Not the other way around. The role of a wife extends even into the church. Ladies, I'm, I'm, I'm going to call on you now. Listen up for, for our older ladies in the church. You also don't just have a role in the home as a wife. But scripture gives you the opportunity, the privilege, the responsibility to train younger women to grow into wives that honor the Lord Jesus Christ. Titus 2, from verse 3 onwards, it tells us older women, define it as you will, but I mean, it's pretty given. Somebody who has experience in marriage, I guess. Older women, in verse 3, are to be reverent in their behavior, not malicious gossips, not enslaved to, to too much wine, teaching what is good. Obviously, they're teaching young women, according to verse 4, that they may encourage the young women to love their husbands. That comes first. They're not meeting together talking about cooking recipes. They're meeting together to talk about how you as a young wife can effectively love your husband. Now, love, I've touched on it in the beginning. It's not some emotional feeling. You talk about falling in love. Ooh, I'm so in love. Until next week, you know, then not so much. Love in the sense of being self-sacrificing, you know, being devoted to the privilege that you have a duty to serve a man who has been placed above you. Again, it's not demeaning. You stand under His leadership. You stand under His love. You stand under His protection. That's what it means to submit to your husband. To be under Him. Friends. Ladies. If you're pursuing a man and he's not these things. And you really want to marry him. You better bring him. Let's get him on the same page. Doesn't help we, we, we have women who know what to do. End up marrying men who don't know what to do. I want to continue. When you submit, it's for God's sake. When you submit, it's for God's blessing. When you submit, it's for honoring God because God has intended it to be this way. And guess what? The world is watching. The world's watching. Ladies, many of you have careers, businesses. In those roles, how do you show the world that you still submit and honor your husband. That when you're in the workplace, you don't just make plans outside of the family life and saying, oh, my husband will deal with it. How do you honor your husband? How do you honor your families? Man, it's a blessing to be in obedience with God's word. 
We could say that there's a lot at stake when women give up supposed opportunities to be a wife. I want to I say something this morning, and I want to say with love. There's a lot more at stake when you pursue your independence. There's a lot more at stake as a married woman to pursue your independence. You will wreck your marriage. My dear friends, you will disobey, you will disobey God's word. I believe that in today's context, it's still possible for women to submit to their husbands, to submit to the leadership of their husbands. And yet as a family, you women can pursue various goals in the home, most importantly, but also in the workplace. It's possible. It's hard. It's hard. I see with us having children. It gets harder and harder the more children you'll have. But if you as a family have made those decisions to honor the Lord in those ways, it's possible. But you have to weigh the price. You have to weigh the cost. If you're not willing, please, I implore you like Paul would implore you, don't pursue marriage. Don't pursue children. A husband isn't a byproduct. Children aren't byproducts. When you get married, ladies, your first ministry is to your husband, then to your children, then the church. And then whatever else may come after that. Don't get it wrong. Please. Listen, there are churches, pastors preaching a whole different gospel when it comes to this. And it, hardly, it hurts me. In 1 Corinthians 7, Paul talks about a lot of things with regard to marriage and divorce. Um, divorce people, virgins who were never married. But to the towards the end, 1 Corinthians chapter 7. At the end of the chapter... Paul gives us some advantages to being single, right? And again, as I say, if you have that gift, it's a tremendous blessing. I remember before I got married, man, I had so much time to do research, to read, um, to purposefully execute that time. When you get married and you have children, your time becomes less and less. You have to divide it up. The only thing worse than wishing you were married is wishing that you weren't. Are you with me? To have a desire to get married is awesome. Having the desire to get out of your marriage, that's not so much. So you want to be sure that God's purpose for you is to get married. You want to be sure that you are willing to lay down your, your life for the family that you are choosing to commit to. If you stay single, life is simple, I guess, or simpler. 1 Corinthians 7, verse 34. The woman who is unmarried, that in the context that refers to someone who was divorced. Then he goes on to say, and the virgin, which is obviously someone who wasn't married. Both of them 
are concerned about the things of the Lord, that she may be holy both in body and in spirit. Single ladies who aren't married yet, ladies who've been married, Scripture says when you're not in that marriage, you have the time to be concerned with the things of the Lord. But listen to what Paul further on says, 1 Corinthians 7. He goes on to say, But the one who is married is concerned about the things of the world. What things? How she may please her husband. That's what she lives for. It's not supposed to be a place of conflict. It's supposed to be a place where a wife willingly submits to the authority, the leadership of her husband and seeks how she can please him. Some of you are thinking, what about equal time? You know, like, I hear what I, I have to do. How, how, how does it look when it comes to the husband? Don't worry, we're going to get there. Men, I'm not telling you when we're doing this, so you can't skip out. But we're going to look at the husband's role. Believe you me, 1 Peter, uh, 1 Peter 3, from verse 1 through 6. All instruction for the women. 1 Peter 3, verse 7. One verse for the husband. And it cuts. It pierces, my dear friends. Trust me. We're going to deal with it. But it's not for you to worry about your husband's role. It's for you to fulfill your God-given role. Single ladies, who are you going to choose to meet with? I mean, as, as a young guy in ministry, I, I had two close families that I was visiting constantly. I wanted to see how these men treat their wives, treat their children, how they make sacrifices, when it's godly, when they mess up, all these things. I wanted to see it. I want to know what does it take to be a husband. And I'm so thankful I made those decisions. Friends, don't isolate yourself thinking, I'm going to be such a wife like this and a wife like that and a wife like that. And then the day comes and you're married and you're not even a present wife. Focus on what the Lord gives you as a wife. But let me close by saying, I'm sure you can now see a wife God's way is a woman who has domain of her house. She's a keeper of her home. She's a worker of her home. She's a lover of her children, a lover of her husband. She's submissive. Proverbs 31 says, an excellent wife who can find for her worth is far above jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her. Ladies, instead of daydreaming about a man and the man that you want, and how you want him, how about you start preparing to become a wife? A man is busy praying for. A man is busy working to love and to serve. Let's pray. Lord and our Savior, we thank you for your truth. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for the instruction we see in your word. 
I want to ask this morning that you would bless your daughters with this instruction. Lord, I pray that it would be an enlightenment. I pray that it would be an enduring word that gives hope. We ask it in your name. Amen.